Well, good morning. Welcome to St. Paul's. We're so glad you're here, whether you're curious, uh, critical, or committed, both in person and online. If I had a dollar for every article I read or conversation that I'm in about how, having a healthy work-life balance, our culture seems to think that balance is both possible and desirable. But what if I told you if I don't think it's either? What if I told you that I agreed with writer Ken Shigematsu that the goal is not to have a balanced life, but to have a centered one? Now take a moment and think of what aspect of your life you most want to change. Maybe it's that part of your life that Tyler referenced a few weeks ago that you desperately hope other people won't find out about. Maybe it's an insecurity, a fear, a loss, a hope, a dream. Well, I'm going to cut to the chase this morning. A life that is not balanced, but centered on Jesus is the surest way to find whatever change you need. And a life not balanced, but centered on Jesus is the surest way to grow into the kind of person you really want to be. You know, the only criticism that Jesus' enemies could meaningfully throw at him because he lived this remarkable life and remarkable death was that he ate and drank too much at parties. Matthew eleven nineteen, by the way. That's the kind of person you want to be. If you're in your 20s, figuring out jobs, partners, friendships, laying down the train tracks for your adult life, the person you want, you want to really be like, it's Jesus. If you're midway in life, right, kids dominating your mental space, debt and relationship stresses weighing you down, the person you really want to be like, it's Jesus. Older, wondering what this last season of life holds, joys and stresses, the person you really want to be like, it's still Jesus. Earlier in September, I quoted American mystic Thomas Merton. People may spend their whole lives climbing the ladder of success only to find, once they reach the top, that the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. A life centered on Jesus, that's the right wall. And there is a ladder that God gives to help us climb. Now, some of you here need convincing that uh, Jesus is the wall worth leaning your ladder against. Others of you are like, hurry up, Jenny, we get the point. Where's the ladder? How do we climb? Our reading from eyewitness writer Mark, written somewhere between 65 to 75 CE, shows us both why Jesus is the wall, while also giving us some of the rungs of the ladder, wall and ladder. So first, Jesus the right wall. You see, Jesus goes after both our souls and our bodies. The hope he brings, it's holistic. You center your life on Jesus and no aspect of your life will be left unchanged, which can be unnerving at the start. It's the beginning of Jesus' public ministry and his disciples are trying to figure out his work habits, his leadership style, etc. And so one day, after they found him at early morning prayer, Jesus says this, verse 38. Let us go to the neighboring towns, so I may proclaim the message there also, 
for that is what I came to do. That message, it was a call to repentance about needs in our life we don't often even know we have, to be called away from the destructive patterns of thought and behavior that dehumanize us and others, destroy our creation, and most seriously, destroy our relationship with God. Jesus doesn't pull any punches, and he lovingly tells us what we most need to hear, that you and I, we need God's grace, forgiveness and mercy we can't earn. But the rescue, hope, and purpose that Jesus brings doesn't just end with a, a life-giving call to repentance. He then pours himself out to meet the psychological, physical, social needs of others. And the leper in this story is the perfect illustration of why Jesus is the wall to put your ladder on. And you see, leprosy in the ancient world, it wasn't just a physical disease. It was a devastatingly holistic condition, social, psychological, physical, economic. Your body was literally falling apart. You were a complete social pariah. Babies found in 1990s Romanian orphanages cared for primarily without touch didn't properly develop. Lepers had to live without touch and they were assumed to have been cursed by God excluded from community and worship. A leper came to Jesus, begging him and kneeling, he said, if you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. We know from other incidents that Jesus can heal with a word. He can heal with a thought. He doesn't need to touch this leper to heal him. But he does. Jesus touches him out of compassion because this man's soul needs it, not just his body. Jesus cares for both our interior and our exterior lives. Centering your life on him will bring the change we need but don't always want. If you want to explore this more, take our Alpha or Turning to Christ courses. There's no balanced life. It's a lie. But it can be centered so that over the course of our earthly lives, we become more like the man who loved the people who irritated him, forgave his enemies, withstood both persecution and physical uh, violation, cared for the poor and the needy, all while having so much fun at parties that it made waves. So how do we do this? How do we center our lives on Jesus, the man who changes us into the people we really want to be? Well, you see, this is what God already wants for us. And therefore, it's the job of the Holy Spirit working in our lives to make us more like Jesus. Less Jenny, more Jesus, please. And the Holy Spirit works with us despite the amazing fact that even though most things we touch become a mess, we're still invited by God to cooperate with God invited to cultivate a set of practices, a rhythm of life that will train us to draw us closer to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, shape us. Marathon runner Elizabeth Archer Klein helpfully distinguishes between trying and training. Trying, she says, 
is saying over and over again that tomorrow will be different, but staying mostly in the same patterns. Training is setting up deliberate patterns of behavior or habits so we can change. You only get so fit if you run the same route at the same speed every day. But if you start a five-day-a-week rhythm of tempo runs, sprints, and long distance with rest days and weight training, I actually have, like, no idea what she's talking about. Apparently, throwing in a hill day a few times a month, you get stronger. The key is to train smarter. If I just keep saying I'll try harder the next time, the race will be little impact. But if I train smarter, I will get faster. Since the earliest times, Christians have followed a rhythm of life. Ancient habits of the church, not gimmicky or the latest life hack, 10 ways to find the perfect partner, but tried and tested, used in every culture at every time across the globe. They're being used right now in the war zones of South Sudan and the safety of Saskatchewan. These ancient rhythms are not a checklist that you A-types can start checking off. And based on our shifting circumstances and personalities, different rhythms will take priority at different times. But these five rhythms, five habits, will enable us to center our lives on Jesus, becoming more like him in order to change the world. Worship, study and prayer, service, generosity, faithful living. We're going to spend the next five weeks unpacking them, along with practical strategies and resources to start climbing the ladder, whether you're spiritually searching or a longtime disciple. These five ancient rhythms, they mirror the rhythms of Jesus. In the morning, when it was still very dark, Jesus got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. Jesus is around 30 years old. He started his public ministry in the urban center of Capernaum. He's been healing large numbers of people, becoming big news, trending high. What's his response? to this high-achieving productivity and popularity? I don't know about you, but when I'm on a roll or extremely busy, the last thing I do is look at my calendar and say, right, the solution is to block off large chunks of time for solitude and prayer. I should make me a better pastor. Jesus went out into the desert. He must have been praying for hours because it took a long time for him to be found. This is the man who changed the course of history more than anyone else. And he spent hours cultivating his interior relationship with God in prayer. His rhythm of life, fueling his interior life with study and prayer, it's what enabled his exterior life to be of such remarkable service and remarkable generosity. What kind of Christian community do we need to be if we're going to embody this holistic life of Jesus, meeting the needs of body and soul? Today's Vision Sunday, a rather grand title, not effectively managing people's expectations, I'm sure, but here goes. St. Paul's Blur Street, we've been around longer than Tesla, Loblaws, Liberal Party of Canada, the Leafs, the Jays. And you know the very same God 
who led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, that's the same God that's here with us this morning, still leading us, which is a very good thing. Because in many respects, the massive disruption of the pandemic means that we're now a new church, albeit with 180-year-old history. We're a new church filled with lots of new people in a new context, both online and in person. Many new young adults, diverse and inquiring people from all over the world, all of us yearning, whether we have words to articulate it or not, to live centered lives, lives more like Jesus. Our rhythm of life will become the spiritual backbone of all that we do, creating a, a sort of spiritual ecosystem, training us to draw closer to Jesus and cooperate with the Holy Spirit, fueling our interior lives and those of our children so we can live the exterior lives that God is calling us into. Because these rhythms will make us more like Jesus, this is the best way to impact our homes and places of work, to make a difference in Toronto and around the world. As our connect groups are expanded and refreshed, they become vital places for encouragement and accountability as people live out this rhythm. We need to spend our money here at St. Paul's in some new ways as more and more young adults join and we continue to explore how best to use digital tools to share the gospel. As our culture continues to secularize, parents and grandparents need equipping and encouraging to live out this rhythm of life in their homes so that the hope we have in Jesus can be passed on to the next generation. And lastly, we can numerically rebuild and grow this church through addition. And addition is good, but multiplication is better. Addition produces incremental growth. Multiplication produces exponential growth. After Jesus healed the leper, he bound him to the ancient Israelite equivalent of an NDA, presumably because he didn't want his increasing popularity to foster jealousy from local authorities right as he was launching. But it didn't work. The leper, in a kind of hilariously immediate act of disobedience, promptly goes out and tells everybody. St. Paul's needs to move from addition to multiplication so we can spread the gospel faster and further. And thanks to your sacrificial generosity, we have the means to build a ministry apprenticeship program, a residential year-long internship, rooted in that rhythm of life to encourage young adults from diverse backgrounds to consider ordained ministry, multiply leaders. And we're renovating the physical building of St. George's right behind the AGO so we can plant a new Christian community there in the coming years. Both of these are exciting, multiplying strategies requiring us as a community to deeply center ourselves on Jesus Otherwise, we will fail and squander what's been entrusted to us. At the end of the day, the only vision I have is for all of us, me, the chief of sinners, to become more like Jesus. Everyone is searching for you, said the disciples to Jesus early that morning. I am. So are you. Everyone is.
there's no balanced life. But a life centered on Jesus will give us the earthly lives we so deeply crave. And guess what? Heaven gets thrown in for good measure. Thanks be to God. Amen.